Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Filler with Joe Miller, where we talk about everything NBA basketball. Joining me today is Adam Rosen. He co-hosts On Deck Circle with Michael Levitt and the Analytics Association with Jack McGrath. Thank you for coming on, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you? Pretty good. I'm just glad finals are over. I had this one paper yesterday that I was writing last minute. It was a I bit of a struggle. That. I do remember having to tell you to go do that, help help you out. It, it's a struggle. We got this. Oh yeah, it's just especially this semester, motivation wise, it's just been tough. I'm I'm glad it's finally it's Christmas break. The NBA season's starting back. I'll be able to sit back, watch basketball, and just kind of disassociate into my natural habitat and just do nothing all day. <laughs> Feels nice. Well, folks, the NBA season starts Tuesday night with a TNT doubleheader, Warriors, Nets, and Lakers, Clippers, which means season, guys. It's coming back. So it's the perfect time for us to make predictions for how all of these teams are going to stack up when everything is said and done. This show is going to focus primarily on the Eastern Conference. Tomorrow, I'll drop a show uh, with uh, the Joey Miller, not Joe Miller, but Joey Miller to cover the Western Conference. So there will be another Joey Miller special to be excited about, folks. So that's always a treat having Joey on. But equally as special, I have Adam on with me to talk about the Eastern Conference, of which his favorite team does preside, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But Adam, thanks for coming on to do this. No, thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Are you ready to start talking Eastern Conference? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Where do you want to, where do you want us to start? Do you want to start top teams or do you want to go in the, the, in the, I guess the trash pit, (laughs) (laughs) the the bottom half up to you. Let's, let's start on, let's start high. You know, it's, it's the end of the day. I'm kind of tired. I I don't want to start out on a bad note. You know, we can eventually get there right now. All right, let's do it. So number one in the Eastern conference, I don't know if there's much debate about this. I think the Milwaukee Bucks will have the number one seed. They were on pace for 60-something games last season. They won 60 games the year before. Depth is maybe not as good this year. Losing guys. Yeah. Or I was just going to say, yeah, like when you lose a guy like Wesley Matthews in the starting lineup, like Dante DiVincenzo I think is a good player and he'll fill in that spot. But I think you're going to miss some of that depth they had last year. Yeah, he's a he's not amazing, but like you said, he's he's depth. And the thing with the my concern with the Bucks is never going to be the regular season. They're going to be a great regular season team, and we've seen that because of the development of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who we just we who did sign the supermax. Which I'm I he deserves it. I'm so happy that he's staying. It's helpful for actually just helps the whole league out. But my shot thought was. I was a little confused that he signed it this early. I think he should have. I truly think he should have waited because to, you know, if you wait, then you incentivize your team to make more moves to build around you. But I thought I I had a feeling he was going to stay anyways. So it's great. I'm happy for him to be able to be back in Milwaukee for the next five years. But let's get back to what you're saying. Yeah. They're going to be a great team. They're going to, they're going to win 55 games at least probably. They're going to win a crazy amount of games in the regular season. Like you're saying, though, not sure if that's indicative of the postseason because I think this team is still going to struggle in the same way they have the past two years. They're going to win 60 games in the regular season. I think Giannis is going to have MVP numbers. I don't think he'll win the MVP just because it's it's hard to win it three years in a row. No one's done that since Larry Bird. Yeah. 
it could theoretically happen, but given his postseason success, I think uh, there might be voter fatigue, especially if you have a guy like Luka Doncic, who's averaging very good numbers and he has like the narrative around him. He's averaging ridiculous numbers. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you think about this. I think LeBron should have probably won it last year. I know Giannis was fantastic, but I'm not as big a fan of this. I know this is a crazy take, and it's my. I was gonna say like, but to me, what Giannis, it's like Giannis did almost the same thing he did last year, the year before. I feel like to me at least, I would, I would just push back a little bit because I think LeBron had a great season last year. Like, don't get me wrong, but. Giannis Antetokounmpo averaged like almost as many points as he did minutes per game. I think Mike Budenholzer should have played him more to get get more ready for the postseason because I think down the stretch, like when you have a guy like Giannis playing 35, 36 minutes at max, that could be a problem, especially like in postseason. But I think that's more on Mike Budenholzer than Giannis. But in regards to, yeah, like the Giannis MVP situation – his numbers were ridiculous. Like this guy was defensive player of the year. That's the, that's the big issue with. That's the big issue I have with him or with Coach Budenholzer is that they don't play him enough. You're not going to win playoff games if he's playing that few minutes. He needs to play 40 minutes in the playoffs at least. And I know that's harsh, but that's just what has to happen. No, yeah, I like at least. I, I definitely agree because a lot of these. Mike Budenholzer teams, like if you want to look back at that Atlanta Hawks team back in 2015 or these last two seasons with the Bucks, Budenholzer has deep rosters throughout the regular season that they can go 12 deep. They utilize all of these different pieces. It's really good to win 50, 60 games in the Eastern Conference, but when it comes time to the playoffs, Budenholzer has flamed out a lot of times at this point. Like I'm not necessarily blaming him for Atlanta because – that team was going up against LeBron, but in this situation, the Bucks have just completely evaporated, especially against the Heat and against the Raptors, where the defense has just put them in a spot where they're uncomfortable and the offensive efficiency goes down really fast. Like, it, and it's frustrating to watch because you know that this Bucks team was incredible for the regular season but then in the playoffs I think it's hard to replicate if you don't have like another style of play I think Drew Holiday will help them in that respect because you have someone else who can create that's not Giannis or Chris Middleton so I think that makes Chris Middleton much better as sort of like the third creator and you add another guy who can take some pressure off of Giannis I like Drew Holiday a lot people were whining about that I know a lot of people were criticizing they gave up too much for him but the thing is, that move was as much about getting a better player as it was about trying to make Giannis want to stay. And it, obviously it helped. Yeah, I think for me, my my main critique of that trade was just that it, it was more, I think, in lieu of the Bogdan Bogdanovich sign-in trade being uh, a debacle and that not really going through. Because I think if they had a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich in addition to Drew Holiday added to this team, that would really take this team to another level, in my opinion. The problem is, would they have any depth? Not really. Not nearly as much depth. I think that... They still have a decent amount right now, but I think it would right. crush them. No, I think that's fair. But I think if you can... 
because I think in that sign and trade, you give up Dante DiVincenzo, I believe DJ Wilson and Irsan Ilyasova, if I remember correctly. I still think you take that trade. I do too. I just think this looks either way. I think they're going to be fine. The issue will not be about this issue with them is not ever. I don't think it's ever going to be for a while. It's never going to be about them making the playoffs or winning 40 or 40, 50, 60 games. It's about, can they do it in the postseason? I don't know if they're going to win 60 games this year. Cause there's only 72, <laughs> but 55 is a reasonable thought. No, oh, definitely. And I think this season should be about what is our starting five going to be down the stretch of some of these games? Like, what do we think our best closing lineup is going to be? Because I think you have guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. You essentially have to play those three in any lineup. There are situations where Brooke Lopez, if the other team is playing small and playing really well, he can get played off the court sometimes. But I still think you want to have a guy like Brooke Lopez out there considering his defense and considering his three-point efficiency. Who do you have in that other spot? Do you get a guy like Dante DiVincenzo? Is a guy like maybe Bobby Portis at the five? Like, I know you <laughs> have had some experience seeing Bobby Portis play a lot. And <laughs> I'm not on Adam's to... face there was just like, oh, no, I just Bobby, don't think Portis. Bobby Portis. Is an amazing <laughs> I think he's a solid tier two or tier two as a bench player. He, he's never going to be a starter. I don't think he, I just don't think that's what he is. He, he could be a starter on a really bad team, but I like him as a bench guy. I don't, obviously that's what we're talking about, but like he's not going to add much value to your team in terms of like scoring and stuff. He's, he's, he's a decent play, rotational guy. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Bobby Porta should probably not start for your basketball team. No, he should not. <laughs> uh, I like you, Bobby. I respect you. I'm happy. Except for that, there's a situation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Adam is really struggling finishing that sentence right now. Like, I'm that, uh, so... <laughs> punching your own teammate in the gut, in the throat, or the, the jaw. Not a good idea. Because... I don't know the Bucks. They do have guys. I mean, who could fill in that spot? Like maybe it's Pat Connaughton, maybe it's Bryn Forbes, maybe a guy they scooped out from the Nuggets, Tory Craig, who can play decent defense and hit shots. You know, I, I think they just like need to figure out like who are those guys that they. Want I actually to play. really like Pat Connaughton. Not as a, again, not as a guy you could start. Start <laughs> right. He, this sounds weird, but like you know, he's got. He can bring a lot of energy and a lot of like. I can't think of the word for it. It's where you just boost the team up by with a dunk. Obviously that sounds, it's a weird thought, but like. Kind of like Montrez Harrell, how yeah. he's just an energizer where it's like yeah. when he gets a play, but he gets the whole team going. Good. He's obviously not as good as Montrez Harrell, but he can provide a good, right. uh, a good energize, electrify your team. I yeah. think I remember like a few plays last season where Pat Connaughton would like have a dunk or something. Then the whole team would just erupt. You could really tell that he is that kind of guy, like you're saying, who can get this team going. I don't know if he's uh, to me, I think Bryn Forbes and Tory Craig are kind of where I'm leaning of who the Bucks should try to experiment with, but yeah, Connaughton definitely has a team here. So yeah, I, I think the, the next team we're going to discuss the Brooklyn Nets have a case to maybe take the number one seed if they are the real deal. Assuming if, they're healthy. And if they're healthy. Those are the two And things. assuming a certain player's injury doesn't re- hurt, hinder them. 
Yeah, that's that's the question. So the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, I've we've seen at this point, I think three preseason games of him. From what I've seen, he seems to be playing around 90, 95% of his original situation. He's not playing 30 something minutes yet a night. So it's hard to gauge like if he can keep this up for a regular season. But I think there's reason to be optimistic about Kevin Durant going into this year. Yeah, it's he's we we could just say that he's Kevin Durant. He's I still don't think anyone actually I, I still think he's I don't people want to say he's six ten. No, he's he's gotta be seven feet. He's a giant. He's literally like not as he's like a sharpshooter who can do everything and it's seven feet tall. He is arguably the greatest scorer of this generation, arguably. I mean, you could argue you argue him or Dur- or Harden. I like Durant because I think he's a lot more efficient with it. Um, but obviously Durant, the injury the issue was Achilles injuries, and Achilles injuries are the worst injury you can have. Right. Like, I can't think of anyone who's ever come back from it. Maybe I think Dominic Wilkins was the only one who had anything resembling his old self. We saw it. We saw what happened to Demarcus Cousins, who I believe is about the same age, a little maybe a a little younger than right. Durant in terms of when he got the injury Kobe he had it uh rest Kobe had it and destroyed him he he had nothing he couldn't do anything with it um afterwards it's rarely Achilles injuries destroy you but fortunately Durant doesn't rely as much on his athleticism as others but he's still athletic enough it's and again it's just about will he be able to play even half even what you're saying 90 percent of what he looked like if he can look like that, 90% of what he was before the injury, if he's at 90% of what he was, that's terrifying for the East. Yeah, because if you look at this Brooklyn Nets team, I think they've done a great job assembling a supporting cast around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, where you have guys like Joe Harris who can hit threes. You have a decent center rotation with guys like DeAndre Jordan and Jarrett Allen. And then you have playmakers like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. You have other shooters like Landry Shamet, Bruce Brown, and Torian Prince who are coming off the bench. And you have the world's most incredible, unincredible player, Jeff Green. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jeff Green. We, we, we respect Jeff Green. No, yeah. I, I spe- Jeff Green, definitely, he's had a great career. I mean, I don't know. I think he's definitely, I think, disappointing for a lot of people considering like his draft stock, but he's had a, he's, he's been what, like 10 years in the NBA at this point? Like 12? Actually, I believe it's 12. Yeah. I was going to say this guy's been in the league for a long time and he's contributed to some good teams like in Memphis and Boston and Cleveland, Houston last season as the small ball five. Uh, do you remember that Oklahoma city series when he was playing center? That was yeah, that was weird. pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, like I think this Nets team, if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can stay healthy, and that is a an if, could be a team to make it out of the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about the other teams that I think are capable of doing that. But so far, this team looks pretty good as far as preseason is concerned. Yeah, he's been unreal. Kevin Durant has. And then Kyrie Irving, we know. I still think he's trying to rebuild his reputation for Boston. I do. And especially that 
that situation with the media, that does not make him look any better than he already... That does not make him look great. But, yeah, the Nets are... The thing is, the Nets, everyone was like, oh, they're, they were bad last, they were na- last year. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to be good when your best player who's consistently playing is like DeAndre Jordan and Karis LeVert. No disrespect here. Right. Fun, a good, a solid player. I think he's got a good potential, but that's not a very good team. It's like Bobby Portis, or it's like you don't want Bobby Portis starting for your team. You don't want Karis LeVert to be the guy on your team. No, like, he can be a solid third option. But no, him and Dinwiddie are really fun to watch, though. Dinwiddie is an unreal six man too, and I mean, that that's a good that that team. And I I like Steve Nash. I like D'Antoni there as well. I mean, I believe D'Antoni's an assistant there, right? Yeah, he's basically going to be like the offensive coordinator for this team, which I think is fascinating. You're going to see gonna some be a cool lineups with this team, and he's going to help. He coached Steve Nash, and I believe Stoudemire's there too now. Right. So, He's really coaching his old. He's working his 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 former players. His boss. Um, I, I think that's going to be fun to watch. I think I think people are sleeping on that aspect because I think he can really impact the way this team runs. I think Dan Tony's going to really help, like get, get help Steve Nash as a coach. And I think this team's going to be petition to start calling petition to start calling this Nets team the 2007 Phoenix Reformation Project. With Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, I, I I signed that petition. I think this Nets team is, if they stay healthy, which again is definitely cause for concern. I see why people would rank the Nets maybe lower because they're lower on the estimations for like how many games Kyrie and KD play. But I think they're going to have the second seat on lock in this conference if they hit their potential. Yeah. So, moving on from the Brooklyn Nets. This one might be controversial here. I don't know if you'll agree with who I have third here. The Philadelphia 76ers. I think this roster is much better than the one last year, at least from a fit perspective, because playing Al Horford and Joel Embiid last year together was a catastrophe. And then a guy like Josh Richardson kind of struggled in that role just because yeah, the lanes were just so clogged up. I mean, if you have a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid team, you need shooters around them just because both of them are such a negative as far as shooting is concerned. I mean, Joel Embiid can shoot around 32 and a half percent from three, but which is de- which is good for a center. Obviously. It's better than Ben Simmons who doesn't even really take them. So I think if you have guys like Seth Curry, like Danny green and Tobias Harris starting plus Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, this is going to be the best experiment Philly's had yet of can you create a contender with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, despite their clashing style-wise. Yeah, I think my thought with the Sixers is, I mean, you've got Ben Simmons, who is a a 6'10 point guard who can do everything except shoot, which is a struggle, but he can guard anybody. He can guard literally anybody. And Joel Embiid is arguably the best, besides Gobert, is probably the best defensive center in the league. Besides Rudy Gobert, unless you, unless you're counting Anthony Davis as a center, I'm not in this situation. I'm not. Um, but Joel Embiid's a fantastic defender who can not sh- can't shoot well, but like he can shoot meh. But like, yeah, I, my thing is, I think they're gonna be. Fun. And I know people are gonna want make fun of Danny Green because he couldn't shoot at all last year in the playoffs. 
But Danny Green's still a good, a solid NBA player who can shoot decently. He can play solid defense. And I, I know, again, people are going to hate him. And then you have Seth Curry, who is probably the best shooter of all time. Wait, that's his brother. Ha-ha. <laughs> wow, wow <laughs> no, that, was a, that was a good fantastic. one. That was people a good always one. want to talk about Steph. Seth's a fantastic shooter still, and they need that. I mean – what did he shoot from three last year? He shot. I think he shot. He led the league. I think it was 44%. He shot 45% last year, 45% in 2019. His career is 44% from three. And that, Danny, that, Danny Green had an off year last year shooting-wise, but his off year was still, I think, 35% from three. The year before in Toronto, he shot like 44%. 45. 45, he shot 37, yeah. about 36.7% from three last year, 45 from three in a few years ago. His career, he's shooting 40% from three. That's fantastic. And what I like about this situation is you bring in a guy like Doc Rivers, obviously, and which is going to be much better than the situation with Brett Brown. If this doesn't work out with Joel Embiid and with Ben Simmons together, because I don't think you'll have a situation with better shooting than this. This doesn't work out. Daryl Morey could call up Houston, trade for James Harden, and start this all over again. So, I mean, I don't necessarily hate that idea either. So, I think getting James Harden would be you could you want James Harden, you can get James Harden, you do it. I think my problem was do you give up Ben Simmons? And obviously, Ben Simmons can't shoot to save his life, but Ben Simmons is also a monster in every other aspect of the game. He's a first-team all-defense guy. He's an all-star. Like, Ben Simmons, you're right, cannot shoot, but absolutely dominant player still. And I think if he was in a situation where he was able to play with four shooters, Ben Simmons would be much better than where he is right now because this is just not a good fit playing with Joel Embiid. Now, the issue is who would they want to give up? Would you give up Simmons or Embiid? I would think think you'd have to give up Simmons because James Harden and Simmons, I don't. I don't know how that would work. I think that's the issue with this Philly team where Ben Simmons is obviously a more long-term prospect considering his age and how his injury history is not as bad as Joel Embiid's. But that being said, for those reasons, Ben Simmons has infinitely higher trade value. I don't think Houston can get a better player back for James Harden than Ben Simmons on the market right now even if like some magical new Orleans trade happened, like Brandon Ingram is still not better than Ben Simmons. I don't think that would happen. No, no, he's not. And Ben Simmons is what, like 16th best player in the league, something like that. I don't know what team is willing to give up something better than Ben Simmons for James Harden. No, I totally, totally agree. But yeah, I think Philly is going to get the third seed overall. I think the rotation is solid. I got another team I think I like more. What team What team would you have at the third seed? I do like there. the Miami Heat more. I really do. Okay, yeah, let's get in the Heat, because I have the Heat fourth, where the questions I have for this team Back. are, what is the point guard situation going to look like? Dragic. You think Dragic is starting? Yes. Even, like, with the injury concern? Yes. Who else would start? I mean, Kendrick Nunn, really? I mean, he didn't do anything in the playoffs. I don't even think he started. I don't even think he played much. I mean, I think the concern with Goran Dragic is just that he is so good for this team in the playoffs that you might not want to waste all of that in the 
during the season and kind of preserve him a little bit. That's fair. Uh, I, I, I just think maybe he'll start toward the end of the season to get him ready. But I just I just don't know how I feel about Kendrick Nunn starting because he didn't play at all in the bubble, really. Or hear me out. Tyler Hero, starting point guard. Not a chance. No chance? He can't. Why would he start a point guard? <laughs> That's what they did, like, in the, in the finals a little bit, like when Goran was hurt. I think they started Hero... Duncan, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, and then uh, I guess whoever they were putting at center when Bam was hurt. Uh, please, there's Leonard. Please Kelly tell me you're kidding. <laughs> I don't hate. I don't hate the idea of Tyler Hero at point guard. I really hate the idea. Because I mean, I don't know if this team needs a distributing point guard. Because you have a guy like. Bam Adebayo, who can run the offense a little bit. A guy like Jimmy Butler, who runs it every now and then. Jack and I said, Jack said this way before me, but then I started to hop on this train at the heater going to the finals. <laughs> and we both said this. And people called us madmen. Okay, nobody calls us madmen. But we were right. We were right. We were right. And we were right. And I want to hear, say it, say it. Was I right? I think you were. I think you might have been right, yeah. Thank you. Okay, now I can uh, continue. I was I was just going to ask you wanted to come on my show just to be like, you know, Joe, I was right. <laughs> hey, you invited me, sir. <laughs> okay, but no, I really do. I really do think this team is the third the third seed. I really do. I think people want to say. I see some people say that it's a fluke season. How they were a fantastic team, and people don't really. Eric Spolstra is, I think, one of the most underrated players in the players coaches in the nba sorry guys i i'm on very little i i i slept in too much today it was a rough sleep but no nah. no i really think uh, eric spolster is one of the best coaches in the nba i mean i think he gets a lot of under and then you have bam at who start finally developed because he finally got those starting minutes and he was a monster and all um outstanding he was a defensive st- stalwart i guess is the right word yeah and he was honestly a Giannis stopper until Giannis got hurt hey okay i have a question about that so with bam Adebayo, he especially during the playoffs the heat put him at the five throughout a lot of the season last year they put another guy you know and love myers leonard at the five and bam Adebayo at the four I'm of two minds of this. Do you think leading into the playoffs, they have a guy like Myers Leonard take up some of those five minutes and then they have Bam start at the four? Or do you think they have a guy like Maurice Harkless play sort of like the Jay Crowder role from last year? I think I like Myers Leonard more at the four because he's a better shooter than Bam Adebayo. And I know centers, like you, it, it's almost in a position, we're almost in a positionless era, basically, it right. feels like. I don't think I like Myers Leonard at the center over Bam Adebayo. Who, I mean, Bam Adebayo is not again, like we said, it's positionless. Bam Adebayo is going to play wherever he's going to want to, wherever he's going to fit better. If he's playing the Lakers, he's going to guard Anthony Davis. If he's playing the Bucks, he's going to guard Giannis. If he's going to, he'll guard. He he's just going to play wherever it fits based on the matchup. I think. So. My the main thing I was looking at with this Miami Heat team that makes me put the Sixers ahead of them is 
I think the Sixers have a lot of room to grow this year with the spacing and just having an overall better fit. The Miami Heat, I'm not sure what they can do to really improve from last season where there's several spots where when you lose a guy like Jake Crowder, who during the postseason was shooting ridiculous percentages from three, Maurice Harkless is not going to replicate those numbers. No, he's not. And I think there's there's ideas that, okay, Duncan Robinson is young, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero could all maybe take steps forward. But aside from those young players developing, I'm not really sure what this Miami Heat team can do to improve from where they finished last season. I do like the acquisition of of Precious. Precious Precious Achua. Memphis, let's go. I don't want to say that name wrong. I want to make sure I said that name right. I Um, think it's Achua is how it's pronounced. Yeah. So, I like him a lot. He was, um, I believe he was the the player of the year. All uh, the American, he was American Athletic Conference, right? Yep. He was all Power he was six. player of the year. He was the rookie of the year. He was an all freshman team, all a all AAC team. So I think that adds a lot of value. He's not going to be amazing right off the bat because he's a rookie, and the only rookies you see like that are yeah, Giannis, Luca, and Zion. Really, I mean Zion, obviously, and John. Right. Not going to forget John. I know you love John, <laughs> but no, yeah, I definitely agree. Precious that you. Uh, I think is going to benefit in this Heat situation where you have guys like. Maurice Harkless, like Kelly Olynyk, like Myers Leonard, like Bam, who are all going to get minutes ahead of him, at least early on. So Precious Achua, I think throughout this season, you'll maybe see him have an uptick in minutes towards the later end. But I think you'll have this situation where he kind of grows into the role more so than a situation with like LaMelo Ball and Charlotte, where it's just going to be like, okay, here are the keys to the offense. Here's 35 minutes a game. We'll just see how you do. Though these four teams we've just talked about, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly, all four of these teams have a decent shot to make it to the finals. This team, I know a lot of other people think have as good of a shot of these teams. I'm a little down on the Boston Celtics because their depth is bad this year. It yeah. is atrocious. I'm going to go ahead and say it's prop. I mean, they're listing market smart at the point guard. That's, yes, because Kemba Walker's missing the first month of the season to injury. That's true. Forgot about that. Yeah. So their starting five is excellent. They have Kemba, they have Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice. That's a great five-man lineup. Thompson first. Oh, yeah, Tristan Thompson is – starting there? Thompson or Tice? I think Tice will keep starting. I think Thompson is coming off the bench. Yeah. Yikes. And – I mean, Brad Stevens has gotten a lot out of guys in the past, but I don't know what he can do with some of these guys. Like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Naismith are both rookies. We'll see how they are, but I don't know what to expect from either of those guys. Romeo Langford played eh last season. I mean, he wasn't really much of a contributor to this team. Grant Williams has a lot of value at small ball five and is a decent rotation guy. So I like Grant Williams, but that's the big name they have coming off the bench where I remember at least last season, they had a guy in Gordon Hayward and even someone like Brad Wanamaker who was able to score when this team 
decided to rest Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think that lack of depth is going to prevent the Celtics team from winning a lot of games this year. I think they're still going to win 40, maybe. Yeah, I think 40, like 40-32. I mean, I think this team will still be the fifth seed. I think they're a step above the next tier teams we're going to talk about. But I think this Boston team is going to struggle against Philly, against Miami, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn, just because those four teams already have depth and have pieces. Maybe Boston will be in play to maybe trade some of their draft capital for more support pieces, but – I thought they should have – I did think they should have tried. If they had tried to trade – if they could have gotten a guy like Steven Adams in the trade, I don't think they would have even tried to. But that would have been a really nice trade for this team because I know they haven't really been playing with a great, good center. But who knows? Yeah, I I, I don't understand why they let Hayward walk. And I think that's going to be their main thing. I believe he declined his option, but – that, that signing was. We will definitely get into the really Gordon Hayward signing in a in a second when we talk uh, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets, but yeah, I think the Celtics could potentially make a finals if something magical happens. But or injuries and magic, yeah, that's really it. Yeah, these next rest of the way, these teams are not making the finals, right? Not a chance. Again, unless like a miracle from the heavens happens. So let's let's talk about a team that was in that finals conversation last year, the Toronto Raptors. So they lost their whole front court this offseason yep. with Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka leaving. I think it Chris hurts a lot more than Gasol to me. I mean I think if they had one of them, it would be all right because then they can maybe get a guy like Aaron Baines or Chris Boucher to fill in the other minutes. But is Aaron Baines really going to start for this team? And then you have other like Chris Boucher, I'm high on, but sorry. We all love Aaron Baines. No, yeah, I like Aaron Baines. I just, that's a downgrade from having basically 48 minutes of solid defense with Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. Yeah, that's the issue with them to me. Obviously, you have Kyle Lowry, um, who is a fantastic point guard. He can do it all defensively. He's a solid, decent shooter, good offensively, and very good defensively, and he's a leader. You have Fred Van Vliet, who is awesome. He is he has developed fantastic. That B got the money he deserves. Oh, yeah. That, that, the reason why I think the Raptors, I'm putting them ahead of all of these other teams that come right after them is coaching coaching, and the fact that those other four guys in the starting lineup are a great ensemble cast. Like Kyle Lowry could be an all-star easily this year just because of the Eastern Conference guard situation. A guy like Fred Van Fleet is excellent. Then you have a guy like OG Anawabi who could really develop into something special potentially. He's already a great defender. He hit that one buzzer beater in the playoffs that I really loved with uh, 0.5 seconds left. He hit a three. That was something special. And then you have a guy in Pascal Siakam who is still struggling, I think, in the, that number one role, but is definitely an all-star caliber player. I love Ananobi a lot. I really like him. I like his potential a lot. There were people saying, would you try? Uh, this is mind-bogglingly ridiculous. 
And there were people it's, saying, would you trade Adenobi for the number one pick or other way around? And I'm like, no, but Adenobi's really that 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 seems to be how high on him people are. His potential is immense. Yeah, and one thing that I'm thinking of right now is it's kind of incredible that the Toronto Raptors several years ago were able to trade for Kawhi Leonard without having to give up Ojiyanawabi or Norman Powell or any of these other excellent young players that they have on this team. But yeah, I think the Raptors are probably they're going to finish sixth, I think, in the Eastern Conference. I don't. These other teams are going to get to in the Hawks, the Pacers, and the Wizards. I think they're all good teams that have a case to make a playoff spot, but I think the other three problem teams have much more noticeable problems than a team like the Toronto Raptors, who are at least going to have a decent offense. Half court, they'll still struggle in a little bit, but defensively, aside from the center spot, they're going to be excellent still. So this Raptors uh, team. And we, do we even talk about Pascal Siakam? He's not all oh my. He. You could argue he almost deserved the most improved last year because he improved again. Obviously, he was never going to win it again, but he improved to be even better than he was the year before. Yeah, I think this year there's going to be that question of can he do it for a whole season in Toronto? Can he, can he take the next step even further? Right, because last year he was very good at the start of the season in that role, like for the first month first month and a half but as the season went on I don't think he was as good as like when the season started so if Pascal Siakam can be that player who he was in the first month of the season throughout the whole 72 game stretch this year this Toronto team's going to be maybe even higher than six maybe they steal the Celtics spot who knows but yeah I think we should get into seventh eighth seed here i was pretty split on which of these teams to put ahead here i think the atlanta hawks will ultimately finish higher than the indiana pacers so i have the hawks at seven and the pacers at eight yeah i agree with that i think they have a, they did they had an outstanding off season i will admit i'm a little confused by oneka okongwu i'm a little confused on that one because they have capella and obviously capella is not an amazing center but he's He's still a solid player who can really get he, – he can get inside it. He can be a really good rebounder and get the boards for when Trey Young, if he ever even misses a three-pointer. Yeah, I think the question with Okongwu is you have two guys who I think will be playing the five at times, and John Collins and Clint Capella, who I don't know if you can necessarily play – those two players, either of those two alongside Onyeka Okongwu because of that inside scoring ability. I know Onyeka Okongwu potentially has a three-point shot, but we need to see how that looks in the NBA. His free throw form is eh from what I've heard. So, And also he's going to miss the first two, three weeks of the season with an injury. So I think it might take some time for him to work his way back into the rotation. But that lineup is much better than it was last season because I think no you're going to have... I, I like Gallo. Gallo's a great addition. Bo, they they got Bogdan. Yep. And um, I got, like Reddish a lot more than I did last year. Reddish, right. to me, should have stayed another year. I really do. But and you saw... I had DeAndre a... Hunter, I really do like DeAndre Hunter, and I like Herter. I really like this team. It's not a fine... It's obviously not a fine team, but I think they could make a few gate make it a little noise in the east. they could maybe pull off an upset no i think this is definitely a team offensively it's going to be remarkable to watch i think 
defense is the main reason why I'm putting them at seven here because they're still going to have guys like Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter who are not great defenders. And you got guys like your boy Chris Dunn and Tony Snell in the rotation, I think, for those reasons to potentially cover. But I just think defense is still going to – even adding guys like Clint Capella who are good defenders at the center position – I still think this team's going to struggle there. I they'll, They're going to be below the league average for sure that way. I think they could be a top five, top 10 offense in the NBA, just with guys like Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich running the show, a bunch of high pick and rolls with Clint Capella and having the spacing. I really see a blueprint for this team having a top five offense. That defensive end is going to well, be. Well, yeah, because you've got an absolute, you got the defense. Not a defensive line. You have the defensive liability with their Trey Young. He is an awful defensively. And maybe that's because of his height and weight. But I'm not going to you – know, he's, whatever he's done, he's it's worked for him because he's a fantastic, fantastic offense. He's like – He plays – A lesser level of a tri- – of a lesser level of a Damian Lillard. I was going to say, I think he has a lot of, like, Steph Curry in his game. I didn't want to make that comparison yet, but I would say. I know know lots of people, like, made that comparison when he was being drafted. Like, ah, he's a guy who shoots, and he plays the point guard. He's small, and he passes. But I think (laughs) they do have a lot of similar features in their ability to shoot at a high level, their ability to pass out. Trey Young, I think, averaged nine assists last season. People think of him as, like, ah, he doesn't pass the ball, but – he does get his teammates involved in the offense and he's going to have m- many more weapons this year. Like I know Atlanta fans had to deal with like Deandre Bembry last year in the rotation and guys like that who are just not as good as people like Bogdan Bogdanovich. And I like Danilo Gallinari, who's probably going to be coming off the bench might be yeah, six I man really of the year like material, <laughs> but Okay, so coming in eight, the final playoff spot. We still have the two play-in tournament spots, but the final playoff spot I'm going to give to the Indiana Pacers, where I still think you have a solid starting five with Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner. That's a great five-man lineup. You have decent depth, but ultimately – Victor Oladipo needs to be able to return to that all NBA, all defense level for this team to be above a seventh, eighth seed. And I, I like to do it. It's going to be hard. And, I love Victor Oladipo. I have a Victor Oladipo. I'm a huge Oladipo fan. It's just, he relies so much on his athleticism. That's and the that thing. Is, and yeah. When you look at the stats, his last season, which was, of course, I think they played him a little too early and he's coming off of injury. Those numbers look much closer to the player he was before he became an all-star in Indiana than they do when he was this incredible player having a seven-game series against LeBron in the first round. I hope that player's still there, but... I do too, because I, I told you, I love Victor Lee, but he's a, such a fun player. He's also really good... It's also... Something side for basketball. He's a great singer too. You also right. listen to his music. Shameless plug for Victor Oladipo. I've actually, I've actually seen some YouTube clips of him singing stuff. He is actually quite good. It's he was on the Mass Singer. <laughs> I actually, I haven't seen him on Mass Singer. I'm gonna need to check that out. But 
yeah, back to <laughs> back to the Basers playing basketball. I think this team <laughs> is still good. And when you bring in a guy like Nate Bortkin, who's kind of an unknown, he was the assistant coach behind Nick Nurse in Toronto. So maybe he brings in some of his expertise in terms of coaching adjustments that Nick Nurse has. So we'll see how this team operates. But I, I think they're more solid than teams like the Wizards, the Magic, who are kind of knocking on the door making the playoffs but at the same time i think they don't have that high ceiling that teams like the hawks the raptors and then obviously those top five teams do i think eighth is a good spot they're eight eight, they're eight they're eight maybe seven maybe they're gonna be bottom eight they're gonna be a bottom tier seed but they're still a solid team they're they're kind of in that really bad situation right now in terms of just being mediocre to good to mediocre where they're not going to title contender, but they're not a bad team. So they don't have much for their future in terms of draft. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I like how you phrased it as like the eighth seed is a bottom eight team. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a purgatory like thing where you're like stuck in. Like, are you going to be a, are you going to, you have a future as a title contender or do you, are you a good an if team? Are you like, a bad team like the like the um like the thunder are going to be they're going to be a bad right. team this year but they've got like 30 trillion draft picks mm-hmm. and a future no i i think that's a good uh, that, that's a good question of if you are in a situation like indiana where you are a good team but you are not a you're not winning the title if you're the indiana pacers i think at this point but no do you want to do like you you see situations where like we're about to talk about like the magic where basically since Dwight Howard I know they've made the playoffs a few times since then they've made it the last two seasons but they've not been that good since Dwight Howard since they blew up the magic blew up it's not been looking good for them like a team like the Memphis Grizzlies for example got very lucky in the draft lottery to be able to get a guy like John Moran. So their rebuild took about a year, but I think if you're in a situation where you're winning more games than you're losing, if you're in the playoff picture, I think you should keep that together for maybe as long as you're still a winning team. Cause that road to getting a top guy, especially with the revised draft lottery is just, that can be painful waiting for that. I know in Chicago, you've been feeling that for a while, right? Yeah, they're, well, we can get to the Bulls soon. I'm very excited to talk about them, but yeah, I, the, 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 they feel, I feel like the, the Basers are a year or two away from just saying, what do we have? What do, what do we got that's going to make us a title contender? Do we want to do anything to fix it? Pacers, I think the ceiling for this team is maybe they perform better than the Hawks or a team like the Raptors and they could get up to a six maybe. But yeah, I don't see them winning a first round series. But at the same time, I mean, they still have a solid core of Demontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon. We'll see what they do with Victor Oladipo because I know his contract is ending. And they have guys like TJ Warren and Miles Turner who are sort of I'd say at least top 100 players in the NBA. They're still yeah. very solid guys. And I'd say 
most both of those players could start in most situations or, there. And so. Better than Tyler Hero at 55. <laughs> Come on. No, I, I, I could go on about that. I know which, it's predicting what they're gonna do this season, but come on. Which which point guard would you rather have, Malcolm Brogdon or Tyler Hero? What what point which player would you rather have? Lonzo Ball or Zach Levine? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Bruh, Tyler Tyler Hero's yeah, he shows flashes, you know. He's a fun he player. Did. I like Tyler Hero. Close to Zach Levine, my guy. Is he better than Zach Levine? Bruh, Zach Levine is going to get traded before the season's ended, but you heard it here fu- first. Do you want me to walk all the way to Columbia and fight right now? I'll do yeah. it. Yeah, you should do it. But all right. All right. no, I think the – so coming in at ninth here, I have a team in the Washington Wizards who – They've made some strides by getting, obviously, Russell Westbrook. Brody. In a trade that you Is might have heard overhated, of overhated i think russell westbrook's a little overhated i mean i think he's still a, he's a top 15 player in the nba he helps your team win games in the regular season he's great all of yeah. his teammates seem to like him by the way no i agree i think he definitely has limitations as a player that i'm very critical of and a lot of people are but i mean Russell Westbrook's a guy who can give you 26 points a night, nine assists, seven rebounds at this point. He's a guy who can help your team win. But the rest of this Wizards roster is it has some interesting pieces like Denny Avdia, like Rui Hachimura, like Ish Smith, my favorite backup point guard in the NBA, and a guy like Davis Bertans. But I don't know if this team has enough depth. I mean, I think they'll improve from last year because they were the 10th seed with basically the same roster. And now you add a guy like Russell Westbrook. So I think that elevates this team. But how many games can you win if your third best player is Davis Bertans? Hey, Davis Bertans is a fun shoot. Nah, yeah. I like Davis Bertans. No, I Davis, love the guy. Get it right, boy. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Nah, Davis Bertans is a fun player to watch, but they're not they are a bore i could see them making the playoffs it just depends on how everything else works out but i'd say for me they're the first team in if an injury happens early to one of these other teams yeah they're on like the they're on the outside looking in but like they're like this close and I don't know what their starting center situation is. Do you want what is it, Thomas, Thomas Bryant? Mo Wagner is also interesting to watch because he—I think he's a solid bench guy. But I don't know what I don't think this team has much in terms of playoff team besides Beal and Westbrook. Because, but you do reunite Russ West Russ with his with his coach Scott Brooks and. They like they're fr- I think they I think I read that they're still friends. So right, no, they are. They still talk to each other a lot, and I think, I think by the end of this year, Russell Westbrook, despite all the flaws I have with him, he is not going to be the reason for this team's failures. I think it's just going to be the rest of this roster with guys like Isaac Bonga, Ru- Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia are all very young, and they're still going to be improving, but. I think this team has expectations to win if you get a guy like Russell Westbrook. So I think these guys are going to get thrown into the fire a little bit. And it's there's going to be games where some of these guys just don't look good. Because, I mean, Rui Hachimura, 
has shown tremendous upside on defense, but offensively, he's still very limited. And then a guy like Ish Smith, who might be their third best creator. If Ish Smith is like your fourth or fifth best player, again, I don't know like how many games like this team can win because like the Pacers who I'm down on, they have five very solid starters in the NBA on their team. Plus they got a bunch of good bench guys like Doug McDermott and things like that. So the Pacers have eight or nine NBA quality players. This Wizards team, I think they're going to be playing slot machine all this year, trying to figure out like who works with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Is it Isaac Bonga? Is it Rui Hachimura? Is it Troy Brown Jr.? Did they put in Denny Avdia at the three or the four? I saw they started him in the last preseason game. So oh, yeah, Denny they have Denny. Starts. I forgot about that. I almost forgot about Denny. Love Denny. I know you don't like that. I know you're not as high on Denny as me, but. Like, I, I like Denny at like nine. I think Wizards got a good pick getting it that way. Yeah, steal, I think, honestly, in terms of where he was projected to go. Because, yeah, there are people having Denny at like five or six, and Denny was basically picked up at nine by the Wizards. So, so in terms of that, that's a steal. Okay, so last team I'll talk about is the team that's going to be the 10th seed with. Jeez. The Orlando Magic, where they were, I believe, the eighth seed last year against the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost that series, I believe, in four games. And they've been in that eighth, seventh spot for the last two years. Their pieces are interesting. I like some of those guys, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Markel Fultz. I just think this year when you have a team like the Atlanta Hawks that's going to climb up there and a team like the Washington Wizards that's going to be much more competitive, I don't think this Orlando Magic team has the same firepower to make the playoffs like they did last year. I think they'll make the play-in tournament, and I think they're better than the Pistons, Bulls, Hornets, Cavs, and Knicks. But I think this team is going to see less success than they saw last year. And when you look at guys like... Mo Bamba on this team, like Cole Anthony and some of their other younger players. It's disappointing that they're on this Orlando magic team that has either not utilized them properly. Looking at you, Mo Bamba, I still believe in Mo Bamba. I think he can be good, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm frustrated at this magic team. Cause I think I some, some of their pieces are good. I like them. I just don't I do, want them I, in Orlando. Traded Vucevic. You know why? Because they're they're in that team with the, they're in that situation where they're not good, but they're not bad. Like they're going to be late lottery if they're gonna they're gonna miss the playoffs. They're gonna be a late lottery team, and they're gonna be screwed because they're not gonna have any good draft capital. And here's the thing: you draft Mobamba. I like Mobamba. I really do. Still not starting because you you have to build. I think you should have traded Vucevic at that time because you want to build. Right. Your, and oh, yeah, like, like, and there's someone else. I I don't know if you mentioned him, but I like Cole Anthony a lot. I really oh, yeah. love Cole. Anthony. I think, I think he has a potential to be a top five player from this draft. I really do. Potential. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm definitely excited to see him play. I think I he's think one he of the brighter lot, spots of this team. He fell a lot because he was hurt, and North Carolina was shockingly, surprisingly awful last year, or awful by their standards. Shock, shockingly bad. But, like, Cole Anthony, 
he, he's a fantastic player to build. I, I think he can be a fantastic player. I really do think he can be a very good player in this league. Uh, to me, what's frustrating about Orlando is just that they, they have guys on this team who I think are good or promising, but I just wish they would either – I just wish they would commit to a rebuild, honestly, because I think this team has kind of seen its ceiling with Aaron Gordon, with Nikola Vucevic, and with Evan Fournier. I think eighth, seventh seed is about as high as you're going to go. You're not going to get a free agent in Orlando to join this team. Like, Until you're good, at least. It, and they're not going to get better with those guys as their core. So it's sort wow. of like a... Unless they take an enormous step. Aaron Gordon, I like Aaron Gordon. I think he's more of a four... He's more of a... Not a role player, I'd say, but like a, a meh starter, a good, decent he, starter. He's a not a guy you want as your second option on a team. He's a content. He's a starter on a contending team, but like a fifth, fourth option, honestly, maybe. Yeah, he's a guy who can play good basketball, but you don't want your team to have Aaron Gordon as the as one of the top guys in the packing order. You just don't. Honestly, yeah, honestly, I feel like he's like Eric. He's better than Eric. I feel like he and Eric Pascal are really similar, except Eric Pascal. Ooh, that is offensive to Aaron Gordon, I have to say. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I like Eric Pascal a lot. Eric Pascal got slept on a lot coming out of college, I think. But he, he's developed really well in Golden State, obviously, because, you know, they have some dude named Steph Curry who was out. Um, yeah, I heard this Steph Curry guy's pretty deep. Some guy, Steph, Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty old. I heard he's an eh player. I don't know if he's ever – he came but, from, what, some tiny – No, some of this – like. <laughs> To me, what's frustrating about these guys is I can see these guys succeeding in other situations. Like, I could see Evan Fournier going to a team like if he was like the guy closing for the Milwaukee Bucks in that five man lineup as a guy who can hit threes, that would be excellent. I could see Evan Fournier compete on any of these other contenders. Same with Aaron Gordon and same with Nikola Vucevic. It's just they were trapped in Orlando. Free Orlando, folks. Get this man, get these guys out of there. Folks, this is post-production Joe Miller here. So Adam and I kept talking about the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, but this part of the podcast ran very long. It was mostly just rambling about how bad the New York Knicks will be. So I've decided to cut all of that out and just list the bottom team so you don't have to suffer through all of that conversation about the Knicks. It's better this way. You don't have to... Think about the Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls, any of these teams. You can just kind of float them out of your mind, as you should this NBA season. So coming in at number 11, the Detroit Pistons. Number 12, I'll have the the Chicago Bulls. Number 13th, the Charlotte Hornets will finish. And 14th and 15th will be the very bottom of the conference with the Cleveland Cavaliers at 14th and the Knicks all the way at 15th. Hopefully you won't have to watch any of those games this season now back to your regularly scheduled programming if you see those seven teams on tv just just skip just you know sit back watch some netflix don't watch these teams play basketball you know there's a lot of other nba games going on you don't have to sit through a magic game you just you don't have to no one's forcing you to do that so adam thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me on i really appreciate it yeah, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Filler with Joe Miller. Tomorrow, I'll be talking to the Joey Miller, and that one will be up on the Western Conference. So you'll have that to look forward to. As always, stay tuned for more.